0: Your flesh is that fallen nature in you it's that residual sinful nature in you that you will do battle with until you leave this body of flesh in the dust and you are fully in the kingdom but until that day you are going to be at war with your flesh what does the scripture say about how to win this war walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh.
1: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Today we'll continue with the series titled Kingdom Citizen with part one of the final message. In previous weeks, we've used 1 Peter chapter 2 as our guide to identify just what it means to live as a citizen of God's kingdom here on earth. Well, in today's message, Pastor Trent will lead us back to God's word and remind us of what we've learned about kingdom citizenship. He'll help us understand one last very important identifier. So let's listen now to the message titled, We Are Exiles. Here's Pastor Trent. Let me invite you to
0: open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. Throughout this series, we've been walking through a particular passage here in 1 Peter, and today we're gonna stay right here in the text, so you don't have to flip over to any other pages. And we've been learning that our identity is that of a kingdom citizen. Do you remember the, the things that were called, the identifiers that we've been studying? Look here in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. As kingdom citizens, that's who we are. We need to be reminded of who we are because that's not the descriptions that most people that are outside the kingdom give to us. But you're a chosen race. We're all one big family. And uh, we view racial issues through the lens of scripture. And we've learned that we're a holy nation set apart from an unholy nation. And our borders are not geopolitical. Our borders are moral and spiritual. And we're a royal priesthood. Do you remember what that means? That means that as a, as a priest, we stand in the gap between the holiness of God and the unholiness of our nation. And last week we learned that we're a purchased people, valued far beyond our worth. And yet through the blood of Jesus Christ... We have been brought into relationship, and God owns us. I belong to God. So all of these identifiers, now we've come to the last one here, and we're going to see it. Uh, Let's pick up the reading here in verse 11. He says, Beloved. Now that's encouraging enough, just that word. Does anybody need to know this morning, you are loved. You are loved according to what God says. You are a beloved part of the family of God. Beloved. not only are we a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a purchased people, we are sojourners and exiles. Now, this word, the original Greek word, is, is translated in a lot of different ways and different variations and versions of the Bible. If you have a, a King James Bible, or if you have a New American Standard version of the Bible, one of the words that's used there to translate these two words is the word Strangers. To be a sojourner implies there's movement. You're on a journey. You're a sojourner. It's simply telling us you are a temporary resident of the land you now occupy. This world is not my home. Anybody looking for an upgrade over the home you got? Yeah. We are temporary residents. The word means to dwell alongside a house. In other words, I don't quite have my permanent dwelling place yet. I'm still waiting to receive that as a kingdom citizen. I'm on a journey. I am a migrant. I'm an immigrant. I am an exile. To be an exile means that you are someone who is experiencing prolonged separation from your homeland. Are you homesick down here? Don't you long to be with Jesus? Don't you long to be in a place that exalts Jesus and values what Jesus said and everything is ordered as Jesus in the center? That's not the the land we're living in now, is it? But as a kingdom citizen, that will be our reality one day. We are exiles and strangers. I like that word, stranger. Um, You probably haven't walked up to somebody and introduced yourself as a Christian. Hi, I'm a stranger. But that's a good identifier of people that are outside. That's kind of what they call us, right? You're a little strange, aren't you? One of the best books I've read in uh, the last year is a book by Russell Moore, and it's entitled Onward. On the back cover of it is kind of the byline, and it kind of is just the summary statement of the whole book. It's this. Keep Christianity strange. How many of you are holding up your end of the bargain on that? Um, You're contributing quite well to keeping Christianity strange. Now, that doesn't mean that you're weird. It actually means that you're normal and everybody else is strange. And Christianity is not getting stranger. We're just doing what we do. We're doing our thing. It's that the world is moving further and further away from King Jesus. And the pull on us would be to assimilate and become like them. But what we are called to be is distinct and different, and it's going to look really strange to a community of people that do not recognize Jesus As their king. I think that'd be a good byline for our church. What if we just put it on the sign out there, Harvest Bible Chapel, keeping Christianity strange since 2009. Anybody want to go for that? That's what we're all about. What we're saying is we cannot accept the values of our American citizenship if we're going to be distinct as kingdom citizens. There's a great illustration of that in the Old Testament uh, because there were actually times when God's people in the kingdom of Israel or the kingdom of Judah had strayed away from God committing sins of idolatry and immorality and that invited God's judgment and what God did to judge them is he allowed a foreign king, Babylon, to take them into exile So the best and the brightest of these young Israelite men would be brought into and under the control of a rival king. The best known example of that is Daniel. And do you remember his three buddies? What were their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you know that that was not the names they were given at birth? When we refer to them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're using their Babylonian-assigned names. We're told they're Hebrew names, but nobody even really thinks about that. But that is even an indicator of what the world is trying to do to you. They want to rename you. They want to assimilate you. But if you understand that as a kingdom citizen, you are right now living in exile you will do everything within your power to prevent them from assimilating or absorbing you. Do you remember in the first chapter of Daniel when Daniel was brought into exile under the Babylonian king and the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate? Now just think about that. In that day, eating what the king ate, that was an upgrade. And why did the king allow them to eat what he ate. It's because he wanted to strengthen them. He wanted to raise them up. He wanted to weaponize them and assimilate them so that they would be useful in his kingdom. Not only to give him what the king ate, and he also gave them the wine that he drank, and they were to be educated for three years. So basically offers them a three-year scholarship to the local community college there in Babylon. Three years. That's about a 1,000 days, which is about the time that a college student would spend on a college campus today. But what if we took all of the 18-year-olds graduating from college this year who are kingdom citizens and put them into an educational system that was totally foreign to our allegiance to King Jesus, and allowed that educational system and their diet to absorb them and assimilate them into the current kingdom. That's what the king was doing in Babylon, and that's not too far from what is happening to a lot of Christian kingdom kids in our day. So he allowed them to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king with a completely different value system, with a completely different allegiance to a completely different king. Well, Daniel detected what was going on, and he said, I am not going to be assimilated I am keeping Christianity strange. And so do you know what he did? A few verses later, it says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked not to defile himself. He took a stand. He put his foot down and said, you know what? As good as that meal looks and as smart as you're trying to make me and as great as those scholarship offers are, you know what? my allegiance is to a different king. And do you remember what happened in the rest of the book? Daniel proved himself to be wiser than all the other wise men in the kingdom, and the king elevated him because he was so strange. And that's what God is calling kingdom citizens to be in 2016. You are to keep Christianity strange and not be assimilated. You're to be a stranger. So you're in exile now. Now please understand, the, an exile understands the difference between being a resident and just a visitor. Okay, it's the same difference as you being a resident of a mental asylum, asylum, and just a visitor. Okay, it's the difference between being a client at a funeral home and just a visitor, okay? That's what it means to be an exile here in this place that we now occupy. That means that we need to remember our, the time of our stay is short. Whatever you have to endure, no matter how hard it is, you can do it knowing that the end is near. Anybody ever done P90X. My wife and I kind of did this P90X, and, and there's this one workout that's really hard. And old Tony Horton, when it's the hardest, he'll say, It's only for the next 30 seconds. You can do anything for 30 seconds. I don't know, you know? But you endure it knowing the end is coming. I'm going to get through that. And sometimes, as kingdom citizens, we have to remind ourselves the end is coming. I can see the finish line ahead of me. I'm only a temporary resident. And that means as a temporary resident, I hold my possessions loosely. When you take a trip, you go on vacation, you go on a plane or something, do you pack light? Do you only pack what you need? The same is true of an exile. An exile holds his possessions loosely because he doesn't want to be too encumbered by the things that he's attached to down here. And so we pack light. We don't hoard and and try to build big piles of stuff down here because we know that none of it is going with us into the permanent kingdom residence that we one day will occupy. So exiles, kingdom citizens, it's not a problem for them to give things away and Look for ways to benefit others and invest in God's kingdom. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, you're smart if you lay up treasure in heaven. By whatever you're giving away now, one day God will return it to you in heaven. So understand, we we hold our possessions loosely and we keep Christianity very strange. As a, as a stranger, I'm living in a land where I don't belong. Have you ever walked into an environment where you immediately knew you didn't belong? I remember when I was dating Andrea, um, we were in Atlanta, Georgia. We we were traveling in life action, and and, uh, we were in a, a, a mall uh, kind of an underground mall in Atlanta, kind of an eclectic thing. I'd never been there before and I really didn't know any of the shops or anything. And it was time for lunch. We were hungry and I was trying to be a good leader and I was trying to pick a good restaurant. And so I saw a restaurant in front of me. I'd never seen it before. And I just, I said, let's go eat right there. And so uh, Andrea's like, no, no, I don't think you understand what that restaurant is. I'm like, no, no, it's a good restaurant. It looks good. And it's like, no, no. Well, I walked in and I didn't realize that Hooters was a place that uh, was not a good place to, to, to take a girl on a date, and I immediately walked in, I'm like, you know what, this is a place we do not belong. And so we turned back around and found a Chili's or something. But uh, have you ever been in that situation? It was like, man, I just do not belong here. Well, there's going to be a lot of places where you feel like you don't belong. As a stranger, you should feel like these people do not understand us. We, it's true. We don't even speak the same language. They don't even understand what we value. Sometimes we're going to be mistreated. As a stranger, that should not surprise us. At best, we'll be overlooked. At worst, we'll be perceived as a threat, and they will try to eliminate us and take us out. Now listen, you are not ready to be a kingdom citizen unless you are ready to live as an exile. If you need everybody's approval, if you need to be stroked, if you need a comfortable lifestyle, you do not understand what it means to be an exile. If you shave off the rough edges of what it means to be a kingdom citizen, if you disguise yourself in worldly camouflage so that you don't stick out and you don't rock the boat, you don't understand what it means when Peter says you're in exile. So there's five things that we're going to learn today that exiles understand. The first of those is this. Exiles don't make peace with their passions. Exiles don't make peace with their passions. Do you know what they make? They make war with their passions because their passions are making war with them. Look at it in verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh. Abstaining means to keep yourself from them, to create a distance, to eliminate those passions of the flesh. Now, it's, un- it's important to understand that passion is not bad. God wants you to be passionate. The answer to abstaining from the passions of your flesh is not to eliminate passion. It's to redirect passion to the things of the Spirit, Do you see the word flesh there? What is this word flesh? Theologians kind of like to debate about this a little bit. At at its surface level, it's what you would think. It's it's your body. It's skin and bone and muscle and all those different things. But do you know what your flesh has? Your flesh has five gates into your soul. What are those five gates? What you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you touch, touch and what you smell. Every temptation you will have to be fleshly will come through one of those five gates. Therefore, you have to put a guard on each one of those five gates and make sure that what you're allowing to come through is not going to Energize the passions of your flesh. Your flesh is that fallen nature in you. It's that residual sinful nature in you that you will do battle with until you leave this body of flesh in the dust and you are fully in the kingdom. But until that day, you are going to be at war with your flesh. Notice, it makes war against your soul. So this is a fight not on the outside. This is a fight on the inside. What does the Scripture say about how to win this war? It simply is understanding that I surrender to the Spirit of God And that is what allows me to have victory over the passions of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These two are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Your flesh does not like to live in exile. Your flesh wants to escape the boundaries of the spirit and go play with stuff and touch stuff and see stuff and taste stuff and enjoy stuff that is outside the gate of the spirit. And so there's a war going on constantly. And you can talk about how you wrestle with or struggle with some particular temptation. Listen, it's more than a wrestling match. It is more than struggling. It is a war. And the more you've been defeated in that war, the more tempted you will be to surrender the battle and just give yourself over to the flesh and just indulge yourself. The only problem with that is you'll never be satisfied by indulging the passions of your flesh. And so I'm here to tell you, no matter how often you've been defeated, no matter, no matter what temptation you're wrestling with, get up every morning, put on the armor, and go to war over the passions of your flesh. Sometimes that will be a defensive battle. Sometimes that will be an offensive battle. But your flesh wants to assimilate. It wants to be absorbed by the culture around you. It wants to migrate. It wants to move, and it wants to surrender to rival kings, not kingdom citizens. Kingdom citizens go to war and yield and walk by the Spirit of God. Here's the second thing exiles know. Exiles don't expect peace with the natives. Look at verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. When he uses the word Gentiles there, he's writing to a Jewish audience here. And he's speaking of people that are outside the kingdom of God. But he says, those people are watching you. Therefore, keep your conduct among them honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of your visitation. Isn't it interesting that it says, when they speak against you, it doesn't say, if they speak evil against you? Listen, if you're not a Christian and you're kind of considering, do I want to be among these strange exile, sojourner type people down here? You need to understand that if you surrender to King Jesus and become part of his kingdom, you will be spoken against as an evildoer. God doesn't say you're an evildoer. They say you're an evildoer. But you will have the crosshairs of a rival king on you that will try to assimilate you and destroy your defenses as you try to live out your allegiance to your king. It's what we call persecution. Paul Nyquist, who is the president of Moody Bible Institute says this. Persecution is societal marginalization of believers with a view to eliminating their voice or their influence. The kingdoms of this world don't care what we say in here. They just don't want you to influence anybody out there. So in the schoolroom, they'll tell you, you can't write that paper about Jesus. You, you can't hand a uh, a Bible to a, a friend at at work, you can't uh, demonstrate that you love King Jesus boldly. That they'll put restrictions on that out there. That doesn't mean you shouldn't boldly live out your faith. But notice, there's options you have if you are marginalized, isolated, threatened, fined. When they speak boldly against you, I've thought of five options, okay? Here's the first option. When they speak against you as an evildoer, you have an option. Number one, speak back. Say, I'm not an evildoer, you're an evildoer. And if you raise your voice a little bit and you scrunch up your face, I'm not an evildoer, I'm a Christian. Dagnabbit. How many of you understand that is not a good strategy, right? That is not a good strategy. But how many of you have done that? You've gotten mad and you've tried to defend yourself and and it's just made the situation worse. You're just pouring gasoline on a fire, right? So that's not a good option. Option number two is this. Run for cover. All right? They're railing against you and they're accusing you of being an evildoer. Just just run away. Just, Just go find someplace to hide. Crawl under your bed. Lock all the doors. Go in the basement, hide the children, don't ever come out. Don't ever let anybody ever know that you're a kingdom citizen. And they won't speak evil against you. How many of you understand? That is not a good plan. That is not the strategy we're to employ. Here's a third option burst into tears. Just, just feel really bad that you have to endure this. Just, just get depressed. And I don't know why they're saying all these bad things about me. I'm a good person. And I, they told me at church I was supposed to live out my life for Jesus. And here I am paying all these consequences. And then you adopt a victim mentality. Suck your thumb. and I just pray God would just kill me right now and welcome me into heaven for the hero of the faith that I am. <laughs> Is that the way we're supposed to live? No, bad option. Fourth option, claim your rights. Hire an attorney, <laughs> sue every person that gives you an evil look, and accuses you of being an evildoer and say, that's slander, I'm not an evildoer. And you claim your rights and you say, no, the, the Constitution tells me that I have freedom of speech and freedom of religion and, and you can't talk to me that way. Now listen. There there are legitimate organizations that exist to defend religious liberty, and, and that is important. And there are times that lawsuits do need to be filed. But if you're trusting the American government to defend your rights as a kingdom citizen, you're going to be sadly disappointed. So you can claim your rights, or here's the fifth option, and it's really the option, it's the only option that we have in Scripture. When you're spoken evil of, Prove them wrong by your conduct. That's what he says in verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak evil against you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation.
1: In today's message, we learn that God's word identifies followers of Christ as exiles. Pastor Trent Griffith used the young prophet Daniel as an example of the kind of treatment that an exile might experience, and he pointed us to the different ways an exile might react to the pressures and difficulties that they face. Just as Daniel stood strong in the face of trial and persecution, I pray that we too will live our lives in such a way that those around us will see Christ's power and love demonstrated in us. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekly worship services on one of our two campuses in Granger, Indiana or St. Joseph, Michigan. For more information and for campus locations, visit us on the web at harvestgranger.org. Well, join us next week for the conclusion of the final message in the Kingdom Citizen Series. I'm Aaron Paulus, and I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.